ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either. You are listening to Ratchet and Respectable. This is another one of those episodes I'm recording in parts. Actually, I think those are better. My dad said they are. I have a busy week ahead. My mother has just arrived at Heathrow. She was actually supposed to be here yesterday. She was supposed to leave on Saturday and she would have arrived yesterday morning. But United unfortunately canceled the flight last minute. So I wasn't able to see my mother on Mother's Day. Um, But she was able to leave to come to me on Mother's Day. Um, But she just arrived. Um, She just sent me a text to say her plane has landed. She has a driver picking her up that's going to bring her into central London. And and she's staying at a very cute hotel right around the corner from me. Usually when I travel, I get a two-bedroom. So friends and family can crash with me when they come in town. Um, This new place, it's it's good size. It's huge. It's definitely the size of a two-bedroom. But it only has one bed. And it's a fourth floor walk up. And I was like, you could crash here if you want. And she was like, unequivocally, no. She's like, I'm not walking up and down four flights of stairs every time I need to go somewhere. And I was like, well, I I feel you. So I have an adventurous week planned with mom. I've been doing a ton of stuff. I told you I walked like 30 miles in one week because I've just been all over. And there's still much more to see. But even since we last spoke, like I went everywhere. And Friday, I barely even left the house. Like literally, I stopped mid-podcast because I was starving It was like four o'clock and I hadn't left the house because it was like raining and cold as shit. I had to put on a full-fledged coat to run outside to get food. Um, My neighborhood doesn't have bodegas per se, but they have something really close. I didn't realize how much I missed a good bodega. I really did. Just go and get like a random sandwich. And Saturday I felt bad for not leaving the house on Friday because it was cold as shit. And I ended up going to the Imperial War Museum, which is usually not my... I don't know, typical kind of thing to do. But when I was researching things to do in London, like I have a super long list. People kept recommending it, especially for their World War II exhibition. The reviews kept talking about this extensive exhibition about the rise of Hitler. I'm obviously not a Hitler fan. I'm not about to have like a Kanye moment. I think like everyone at the time and everyone since who knows anything about World War II, especially the Holocaust, is always very like, how the fuck did that happen? Like, as an American, like, obviously, we've watched, or if you're Black, you've experienced particular groups of people being scapegoated as the enemy. Black people, obviously, but then also 9-11, it was anyone Muslim or anyone who appeared to be Muslim. And most recently, it's people of Mexican descent. So I understand the idea of, like, a country deciding to target a certain group and blame them for the downfall. I mean, and that's fucked up. The leap from we're targeting you to we're building gas chambers to kill you in mass. That's some new shit. Some people would say that the treatment of black people in America is a form of genocide, which I do agree with. I also see a distinction in police plucking off people one by one versus hoarding people onto trains and sending them to gas chambers. Both terrible. It's all crazy. World War II went on for six years and 60 million people died. America teaches World War II started with Pearl Harbor and America was like, they bombed Pearl Harbor out of nowhere and America was like, fuck this shit. Somehow we get fast forwarded to Americans end up at Normandy, which I was like, how France get in it? But then like Americans liberate the Jewish folks in the gas chambers and also drop a nuclear bomb. 
How was I so vastly failed about the origins of all this? And I was like, I went to prep school. I went to college. Do they still do drunk history? Not drink champ, drunk history. I want to be drunk and try to explain World War II. That shit is nuts. I thought I was going to spend like two hours at the Imperial War Museum. And then I ended up being there for four and a half. Because I did World War II as a whole. And then upstairs was specifically about Hitler and the Holocaust. I walked out the museum and just kind of felt like, I don't know. Like I just watched a horror movie, which it wasn't a movie, but it was horror uh, it's all real. Um, but I left there and went to Camden. Camden is like this big open air market. Like London loves a market. And it's, you know, food and vendor stalls and actual stores. But it's just like, a, just it's just a gigantic open air shopping experience. I thought it only happened on weekends. Apparently it happens every day. But the weekend is like when it's like super packed. It's so many damn people. And I, I meant to go shopping, but I was starving. And there's this Black-owned restaurant called Trap Kitchen. I've been eating fine in London. The last time I was here, the advice that was given to me was eat ethnic, which is what I do. But on Friday, it was so cold, and I had on this coat, and I still wasn't really warm. And I went outside, and I just went to the first place I could grab something. The bodega that wasn't a bodega. And I grabbed, like, I don't know, it was like an egg salad sandwich. I ate that shit, and it was, it was fine. It didn't upset my stomach. It served the purpose of like putting nourishment in my body. So I was no longer hungry. It was the blandest shit I'd ever had in my life. And I just immediately was like, I I need black people food. I need an African restaurant. I need a Jamaican restaurant. I need something. I need food that is prepared by black people because I need seasoning. So there's this place called Trap Kitchen. And they had like fried fish and like macaroni and cheese, bang, bang, shrimp. And none of it tasted like anything in America, but it tasted like black people had prepared it. Like the macaroni and cheese was not macaroni and cheese. And I was like, it's good, but y'all should advertise this as something different. It just, it just wasn't mac and cheese. Not to a black, not to a black American. And then like, I ended up just hanging out in a restaurant for a while. Cause like they were playing like Jodeci. <laughs> and I was like, I kind of feel like I'm at home just a little bit. And then everybody's black, which... Walking around London and in the neighborhood I live in, like, it's not very black, which I do. But, you know, I'm coming from Africa. Like, I'm used to black people. Even in Cape Town, like, it's it's enough. I started playing this game lately, which I haven't done, I don't think, since I was in college, where, like, I count to 10 and see how many black people I can spot within that 10 seconds. And on multiple occasions, it's been just me. It's a lot of brown people here but not necessarily black. I was like, let me put visit Brixton on my list of things to do because <laughs> I can only go a certain amount of time without seeing black people before I like feel crazy. <laughs> Remember last week I was like, oh, is there enough news? Because we covered so much. We covered so much. Yo people, yo people. Let's talk about the good news first though. Let me start here because I need to back into this conversation. Brittany Griner returned to the WNBA. It's the preseason. The season hasn't actually started yet. But she had her first game on Saturday. And ESPN had really good coverage of it. She's with the Phoenix Mercury. They played the Los Angeles Sparks. Unfortunately, Brittany's team didn't win. But she played. And she did okay. She played 17 minutes, scored 10 points, and grabbed three rebounds. I think she did okay just by showing up. Some people might say, like, oh, you're giving E for effort. I'm like, lady's been through a lot. She was in Russian prison. Russian prison. And now she's back. There are a lot of people 
whose lives would have been derailed. And and that's not judgment for them. That's just saying that like, that's a hugely traumatic experience. And there are a lot of people who wouldn't be able to bounce back just mentally. I'm proud of her. She didn't think she did so great. When she spoke to ESPN, she was highly critical of herself. She said, I didn't really guard anybody. And you know, the next game I'll be totally different. She also said that her coach kept, keeps telling her to give herself grace. And Brittany says that that's hard. She's really hard on herself. I think mentally, which is totally understandable. This, this isn't a critique. It's an observation that she's going to have to work through a lot. She spoke to ESPN. She said, quote, I didn't think I would be sitting here. I didn't think I would be playing basketball this quickly, even coming back. I didn't know how it was going to go getting back into it. I mean, I'm grateful to be here for sure. I'm not going to take today for granted, but it's a lot to take in. She was well-received by the crowd from everybody. She got a standing ovation when she was introduced before the game. ESPN also said when when Griner walked out the tunnel 90 minutes before tip-off, she was the center of attention. They said she couldn't walk the length of the court without being stopped, high-fived, or hugged. Anyone she walked, including the competition, the Sparks players and coaches, smiled and said hello. She acknowledged that hearing the national anthem before the game definitely hit different after a nearly two-month detainment in Russia. Good for her. I hope she, um, I'm sure she does, but I hope she has like a good support team. Cheryl Sherelle, don't play about Britney. But I also hope there's a good circle. I hope Cheryl Sherelle has support. I hope there's professional therapy involved. She's been through a lot. I'm just incredibly happy for her. What we talked about last week, disruptors, people who disrupt and also incidents that can be disruptive and how to overcome them. Getting stuck in Russian jail is disruptive as fuck. But I love that she's not letting what happened to her, or some people would say what she caused. Either way, the shit's disruptive. Um, the shit's traumatic. I'm glad to see her. I don't think she's overcome yet on the steps to overcoming. It's a process. It doesn't happen overnight, but I think that she'll get there. I'm really proud of her. Speaking of people I'm proud of, my boo, my baby. I used to call her my little sis, and people were like, oh my God. Why do you call Michelle Obama your mother? She called herself America's mother. She called herself America's mother. Then I got mad that I actually, you know, called her what she calls herself. The yes, baby sis, niece, the Sasha Obama. Nothing against Malia. I think Malia is amazing. I saw a girl the other day when I was walking in Camden Town. I was walking behind her and I swore up and down it was Malia Obama. It wasn't. But she looked like Malia from the back with like the braids and the height and like the frame. It wasn't Malia though. Sasha's my favorite Obama. I know I shouldn't choose. And not even just put it against Malia. I mean, of all the Obamas. I love them all. I love them all. I just love Sasha like just a little bit more. I'm sorry. She's the baby. Um, But Sasha, our dear Sasha Obama, who's not a baby actually. She just graduated from USC with a sociology degree. There were pictures of her walking across the stage. And I was like, who is this grown-ass woman? When I think of Sasha Obama, I think of 2008 when Barack got elected and the whole family was dressed in red and black. Baby Sasha Obama is a whole grown woman and has a whole degree from USC. I'm so excited to see what she turns into. I love watching she and Malia grow. I'm just, I'm fascinated by them. I'm so excited to see what they become. Or what they continue to become. Usher. You know how I feel about Usher. I, I feel almost as strongly about Usher as I do 
about Sasha Obama. That's how much I love Sasha. Usher received an honorary doctorate of music degree from Berkeley College of Music. Congratulations to Usher. He is one of the greats. Which I think other people are finally starting to realize. I think after this Vegas residency, people are actually like, yo, Usher really is that dude. I feel like everyone understood that like, oh, Usher makes great music. And like, yeah, he had an album that went diamond. And, you know, Usher's been around for a while. But like, I don't think people really put like respect on Usher's name. But I feel like they're finally starting to. He's like the male Beyonce. He's that guy. And this is why we had to do this in this specific order. So that we could talk about Joe Biden. Joe Biden gave the commencement address at Howard University. I personally didn't think there was anything wrong with it. Amongst the Howard crew, like I heard people who were cool with it versus people who were like WTF. Why is a white man doing the commencement at Howard? Um, he's the president. It's, it's not an honor to have like the president. And the people are like, but he's white. Contrary to popular beliefs, I didn't go to Howard. Everyone thinks I went to Howard. Anytime I'd be like, I went to Maryland. People be like, I thought you went to Howard. People who went to Howard while I was at Maryland also think I went to Howard because I was always at Howard. My two best friends went to Howard. Damn near my whole inner circle of friends went to Howard. I didn't go to Howard. I went to Maryland and NYU. I defer on whether Joe Biden should have been the commencement speaker for Howard. I defer to whatever people from Howard think. There is a mindset that comes with HBCU. I am familiar with it. I am adjacent to it. I don't have it because I didn't go. If y'all think he should have been there, great. If y'all think he shouldn't have, great. Whatever y'all think about that, I'll back you up on that stance. I just, you know, me independently, alone on my own, was like, oh, Biden's going to do the commencement. I didn't think it was bad. I kind of wondered why Kamala wouldn't do it. She's the one that went to Howard and she's black. Half black? Black as far as I'm concerned. She went to Howard. Like, I thought it would have been dope for her to be the speaker. But I guess, like, overall, like, President Trump's vice president. But then people, black people in general, but perhaps HBCU folks more than most, have serious issues with Kamala Harris. Like, the idea is, like, I mean, you're there. You're black. But, like, what the fuck are you doing for black folks? It's it's an ongoing conversation. I see both sides. Also, let me say this, right? Howard invited him. It's not like Biden just decided like, okay, so here's a list of colleges that I'm going to do commencement speeches at and I'm going to force my way in here. Howard invited him. And I feel like it's a no-win situation whether he says yes or no. Because if he says no, then it's just like, oh, we're just as good as Harvard or Yale or any Ivy. If they asked you, you would go. So why wouldn't you come to us? So if he says no, then it's a problem. If he says yes, then it's like, why y'all got this white man speaking at an HBCU commencement address? People also have serious issues directly related to HBCUs with Biden. You know, you know, you got us some, some funding and thank you. Um, I'm reading on NPR, Biden secured $6 billion in funding for historically black colleges and universities. Though, that's still $39 billion, B as in boy, billion. Short of what he promised. Oh. There's also that really tricky issue of student loan forgiveness. Folks still got loans. Folks still rightfully mad. So NPR points out that Biden uses this moment to appeal to black voters. Biden has officially announced that he's running for re-election, which I could have sworn when he ran the first time. He was like, no, I'm just doing this once, like just to get us out the Trump years and then somebody else will take over. But now he's like, no, no, I'm running again. Okay. So when he got elected... His approval rating was 90%. 
and it's since dropped below 60%. So there's some work to be done in getting Black folks interested, engaged, and supportive again. So he's utilizing the opportunity to speak at Howard as a way to re-engage with Black voters. He said a lot of things. I'm trying to scroll for like the money quote, which I know what it is. I just want to read it. I'm reading this on Politico. Quote, he said, white supremacy is the single most dangerous terrorist threat in our homeland. And I'm not just saying this because I'm at a black HBCU. I say this wherever I go. He continued, fearless progress toward justice often means ferocious pushback from the oldest and most sinister of forces. That's because hate never goes away. It only hides under the rocks. And when it's given oxygen, it comes out from under. And that's why we know this truth as well. Silence is complicity. We cannot remain silent. Who's we? Is we white folks? Because I don't feel like black folks are the ones remaining silent about this. Politico notes that for most of his speech, there was strong audience applause. They do, however, note that there were dissenters amongst the audience. He said Biden's message was not entirely well received. The crowd of graduates was dotted with student signs criticizing the Biden-Harris administration's treatment of African-Americans. A black child was lynched yesterday, one sign read. They were referencing the killing of uh, Jordan Neely on a New York subway. That's the guy that some like, was he like a white Marine? Choked him out on the subway on camera. There was another sign that read, stand up, fight back, black people under attack. Also, for folks that are mad about Biden delivering the address, Politico notes that this is the seventh sitting president to deliver Howard's commencement address. They also note that Biden received an honorary doctor of letters, which is which is standard after somebody does the commencement address. I want to go back to the other article because they had more about the students that were unhappy that Biden was there. I'm looking at a picture of a student. He's holding up a sign that says, Biden and Harris don't care about black people. They said while Biden was speaking, about a dozen students stood with signs in protest of his appearance. In a letter shared with press, again, I'm reading this on NPR, the students said they were, quote, infinitely angered and exhausted by the many forms of ongoing white supremacist violence in the U.S. The group, represented by the president of the local NAACP chapter, called on Biden to do more than just, quote, ask for investigations and observe our struggle. One student told the New York Times, I just feel like I'm not being helped. He's taking the vote for granted. NPR notes that also, as an incumbent president, that Biden is running without a Democratic challenger. And he's banking on the 2024 election becoming a second referendum on what he's taken to calling MAGA Trump extremists. I saw white folks mad as hell that Biden called out white supremacy. Conservative Twitter, Fox News, same thing. Had about the meltdown that you would expect over that comment. I'm reading this on Fox News. This is a quote I didn't see anywhere else. It said Biden also said, quote, we know American history has not always been a fairy tale. That's putting it mildly. From the start, it's been a constant push and pull for more than 240 years between the best of us. The American ideal that we're all created equal and the worst of us, a harsh reality that racism has long torn us apart. It's a battle that's never really over. But on the best of days, enough of us have the guts and hearts to stand up for the best of us 
to choose love over hate, unity over disunity, progress over retreat. Who wrote this? Who's the speechwriter? He also talked about, quote, the poison of white supremacy. Conservatives have lost it. One of them tweeted, this is completely bonkers. Did anyone talk like this in the 1980s, 90s, 2000s, or even 2010s? Of course not. Yet suddenly white supremacy is the biggest threat in America? I don't even think. Man, just because people didn't say it outright doesn't mean it's not true. I think white supremacy is the biggest threat to America. I don't think you'd be hard-pressed to find a black person that disagrees with that. It's interesting. The conservatives are accusing Biden of fueling racial division. Not, not Trump. Biden. I mean, I'm okay with Biden. I don't hate him. I voted for him. I think in terms of that election, it was the lesser of two evils. He was the person who could win against Trump. And by all means, we had to get Trump out. Biden, if you start digging back in his history, is, is not a perfect man. As the New York Times once called a black child who had been murdered by a police officer and his body left a rot in the sun. He's no angel. He was the lesser of two evils. Uh, if it's Biden versus Trump, I'm obviously going to vote for Biden again. I would love to see other people enter the race and make it a real competition. I would love to see somebody that actually I feel represents me and I'm not just parsing on, well, you know, at least, you know, he's not going to tell us to inject bleach. And I don't think he's a full out and out racist. But if it's Trump versus anybody, I'm voting for the anybody. I know that sounds very defeatist, but that's that's what it is. I read, like many of you, over the weekend on TMZ that Jonathan Majors is dating Megan Good. TMZ did not provide pictures. They said they heard from a source. The two have recently become cozy. Apparently, they went out to a movie recently, and TMZ has determined that they are dating. I have so many thoughts, so very many thoughts. I will not comment and may not even then until I see confirmation from Megan Good or photos and video. I don't want just a photo of Megan Good and Jonathan Majors canoodling, kissing, some sort of grand romantic gesture that leaves no room for question that they are involved in, in an intimate way. I think people know me well enough to kind of guess what my opinion on that one would be if I were to speak on it. I'm going to take the L on that one. I want to make sure I'm saying this young man's name right because I have extensive thoughts about him. I don't want to butcher it all throughout and have to go back and edit. John Morant. I didn't know who he was until a couple months ago. He had gone to a strip club and was waving this a tiny gun. It was like that gun under the pillow that Jasmine Guy had in Harlem Nights. It's like teeny tiny gun. But he was at the strip club and he was on IG Live. And for whatever reason, he decided to like wave the gun around. I, young man, young man, because he's 23. Young man, what are you doing? For that, he got suspended from his NBA team. He plays for the Grizzlies. I think he got an eight game suspension. I read that it cost him 39 million. He was, I would have thought, embarrassed. All the major commentators went in and went off on his ass. Like, what are you doing? You have a $200 million contract. You have a contract with Nike. You have sponsors. What are you doing 
waving around a gun on IG Live, no matter where you are, but at the strip club, no less. Like, what was the reason? Why? He said he was going to therapy or something to get himself together. He did a series of sit-down interviews where he talked about how he needed to improve his discipline and really just make better decisions on the court, off the court. But he sounded contrite. He sounded like, I did some dumb shit and it put everything that I've worked my entire life for and my money in jeopardy. And like, I get it now and I'm going to like be smarter. I just skipped the story. I don't really cover sports like that. He's a 23-year-old who did some incredibly dumb shit. The world seems to be piling on him. Like, everyone's basically told him he's an idiot. He's been suspended. He's been embarrassed. You know what? Like, I'll sit this one out. Yesterday, I'm scrolling, and I see this story where people are talking about John Morant. And it's a news story, and it has, like, all of these comments. And I was like, yo... This thing happened like two months ago. They still going in on this kid like it just happened yesterday. I was like, yo, people got to learn to let things go. The NBA is not even in season. Why are they talking about this shit? I scrolled some more. It's two more stories about this dude. I was like, why is everyone talking about John Morant and this gun again? It's been two months. I click on one of the stories. That nigga did that shit again? He did the same shit again? Again? He did the same shit again. He's sitting in the car with his friends. His boy was on live. He saw his boy was on live. It's not like somebody went live and he was doing his shit in the background and his boy was trying to set him up. Like, no. They were listening to music. They were turning up. He knew they were live. He knew the camera was recording. He was getting turned. Whatever reason, he decided to lift up his hand and show it with the gun. His boy, God bless him, tried to save him. He moved that camera quick. The gun was only shown for, it didn't even seem like a second. I had to watch the video like three, four times to actually see the gun and go to somebody else's page to see the screenshot of him holding the gun to be like, oh, it's actually there. And then had to go back and look for it. But it's there. The same dumb shit that cost you $39 million and got you suspended for eight games. You went and did that same shit, that exact same shit two months later. The NBA reacted swiftly. Let me give you the actual quote. The Grizzlies released a statement. We are aware of the social media video involving John Morant. They ain't say again. Again, he is suspended from all team activities pending league review. We have no further comment at this time. Is this the same Grizzlies? It is. They just released. What's the dude who was talking shit to LeBron? Dylan Brooks. I think he talked shit about LeBron. He called him old. He said some other disrespectful stuff. That's trash talk during the game. I take the same stance that I did with Angel Reese and and Caitlin Clark. They're athletes talking shit. It is what it is. Also read like he punched LeBron in the dick and got ejected. His contract was up for renewal and the Grizzlies could have taken him back. By all accounts, he was a good player, but the Grizzlies were like, nah, we're good. I think they said something like, quote, under no circumstances. Let me see if I can find that quote. Because it was real like, we really don't want your ass. The quote that was everywhere is that he will not be brought back under any circumstances. All he did was talk shit, to my knowledge. I was like, they just got rid of him over that. They suspended you for eight games the first time you did this shit. Does John Morant think he's still going to have a job? And not just with the Grizzlies. I mean, anybody in the NBA. They're going to let his ass go and he's not going to get paid. We've had this conversation before. 
versions of this keep happening where people who are signed to major sponsors or NBA or just anybody, if you're getting paid by somebody else, they have a contract with you in some form. I could tell you just from the little contracts that I signed when I work with sponsors, whether it's like a hair campaign or even hosting an event or doing social media activations, even at my little level, every single contract that I sign has has essentially like a morals clause that says if I do anything that is considered unfavorable, unethical, compromises moral standards, like the language always varies. But basically, if I do anything that the brand considers fucked up or my audience considers fucked up, then they can fire me and they don't have to pay me. As a matter of fact, I might have to pay them back what they've already paid me up front. When you work with a sponsor of any kind, especially when we're talking big money, Nike millions level, or we're talking NBA level, people are making a significant financial investment in you. They stand to make a significant amount of money off of you. They can't have you fucking up the brand. Basically, whatever their brand is supersedes your brand and you have to act in accordance with what their brand is. There's exceptions like people with like Cardi B signing with McDonald's. You know who the fuck Cardi B is when you signed her. You know that she walks a line, that she's on the edge, that she's hypersexual, that she goes live and says wild shit, that she curses a lot. Like, you know what you're signing up for with, say, somebody like a Cardi B. People who typically toe the line, even then you try to rein them in and be like, hey, so there's things that you cannot do if you're going to be associated with us and you're going to be paid by us. So here's an understanding. The first time John Morant did this shit, he could claim you know what? I didn't know y'all were going to make it that big a deal. I was just out. I was wilding. I was with my friends. It's not like I shot nobody. It's not like it's criminal because there were no charges filed to my knowledge with the first gun incident. I could almost feel him on being like, okay, like you don't like it and you're making a big deal about it. But like, I didn't know like if he really wanted to go that route, they've made it clear to him. You lost money. You lost playing time. We, we sat you down. We released public statements. You went to therapy. Like we made a big deal about this specifically so you would understand you, everyone else in the NBA who might think that this is okay, will understand we don't tolerate this shit. And then you went and did the exact same shit two months later. I don't want to see no black man lose his job. I don't. I don't want to see no black person lose their job, period. He deserves to be fired. And they probably going to fuck around and fire him. People going to be so upset. I've seen people online and bless their hearts. I know that they're trying to defend a young black boy that they see spinning out and they don't want to see him lose everything that he's worked for. Y'all want the NBA for him more than he wants it for himself. You can see that by his actions. To go do the exact same dumb shit that he did two months ago, he's not even trying to do new dumb shit. The exact same dumb shit. Nigga, do new shit. Same dumb shit. Two months ago. He don't want to be in the NBA. He don't want to. His friends want the shit more than he does. His friend tried to move that camera quick and did a good job. The gun was up for less than a second. You had to have a good eye to see it. I told you I had to watch the video four times. I saw people online trying to help him out. And they were like, hey, so if this happened in Memphis, didn't like the governor, some high ranking official, he just put out a Christmas card and and he and his whole family were holding guns. So like, what's the issue? Why isn't John Morant protected by Second Amendment? Americans have the right to bear arms. Why is it such an issue that he has a gun out? If he was listening to Beethoven instead of NBA young boy, would people see it differently? White dudes show pictures with their guns all the time and people don't react like this. It's racist. I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. He been through this shit two months ago with the Grizzlies. 
The issue isn't even like whether it's legal or whether it's the Second Amendment, right? He wasn't criminally prosecuted last time for showing the gun. He probably won't be for this time either. No, there's nothing wrong overall in general, like with showing guns. There's pictures all over the internet of governors or, or politicians, them and their whole families, Christmas cards, a tree in the background, but with all of them holding big ass guns, assault rifles, like some real fuck you up type shit that no one really needs to protect themselves. I, I hear you. None of those other people are employed by the NBA. The NBA is real clear on the policy. And, and in case he wasn't clear two months ago, they made it very clear to him. This very specific thing, you flashing guns on Instagram live cannot happen. You are going to lose money. We are going to sit you down. We are going to make public statements. We're going to force you to make public statements and you're going to have to go to therapy. You got to clean this shit up because this cannot happen. And he went to the exact same shit two months later. Anybody else, any other job, it wouldn't even be a question. You deserve to be fired. You do. I love folks trying to defend him. If I could mount a logical argument for it, I probably would because he's 23. I talk on this podcast all the time when people are under like 25, 27. I'd be like, yo, they're kids. They're doing stupid shit. People in their 20s do dumb shit. It's just the nature of the age. I would try to defend him. I really would. Nick, you did the same shit. You didn't even try to like go on TikTok and be like, oh, I thought y'all was just mad at Instagram, but y'all mad at TikTok too. Like, no, same shit. Same shit. He don't want to be in the NBA. He don't. He don't want to be rich. He don't. When I was researching for this story, I found this interview somebody did with, um, it was a member of the Crips, like an OG member of the Crips. I didn't write his name down, but he spoke at length and he was like, this nigga ain't no Crip. You didn't grow up like this. You're not one of us. You throwing up gang signs and shit. And he was like, and I'm telling you as somebody in it, you don't want to be about this life. Like the shit we get into, how we move, how we get down. He was like, this is survival. You got $200 million. You're an NBA player. The, the crip, the OG crip was like, nigga, what are you doing? Like you waited till you got to the NBA to, to be hard, nigga? Like what? He want to be hard. Let him be hard. He gonna end up like fucking Franklin Saint. Nigga, I almost had it all. Almost. Almost. Because this, I don't see the Grizzlies keeping him. I don't see another team picking him up. As good as he is, I don't see Nike keeping him either. You ain't the only one, bro. There's lots of really good players. Lots of young men who would love to have your spot and your paycheck and ain't going to fuck it up. I don't know what's wrong with the boy. I, I can't believe he did that shit. And honestly, I do believe something's wrong with him because that don't make no sense. That's that's beyond just the basic level of like defiance. Literally the same shit you just got caught with two months ago. They cost you money. They almost cost you your job. You still like, fuck it. Is it that I'm 20 something and I feel invincible shit? It doesn't really wear off until late 20s. Maybe. But like, young nigga, he about to lose your dough. That's the episode for the week. Unless something completely insane happens, I won't be able to update later today or Tuesday. I'm going to be with my mama. My mama's 15 minutes out from her hotel. I'm about to go run over there so I can meet her in the lobby. All right. Talk Friday. Bye. I'm making-